When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to HeyYA Extra Credit. Every other week, opposite the main HeyYA podcast, we'll bring you a short-form podcast, either as a book club discussion with a beloved YA author, or a look at two excellent backlist YA books for your TBR. I'm Tirza Price, and on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about more than two backlist books. I am going to be talking about the amazing work of one of my forever favorites, Melina Marchetta. But first, let's hear from our sponsor. So this episode is sponsored by Flatiron Books, publisher of Anna Kay Away by Jenny Lee. It is the sequel to Anna Kay, which is a retelling of Anna Karenina. Set over the course of one unforgettable summer, Anna Kay and her friends are back. Jenny Lee's Anna Kay Away is full of the risk, joy, heartbreak, and adventure that mark the three months between the end of one school year and the beginning of the next. Haters are always going to hate, but everyone loves a good comeback tour. That is Anna K. Away by Jenny Lee. So I love Melina Marchetta like a lot, a lot. Uh, she's hands down one of my favorite like authors in general, but she's best known for her YA. And she's an absolute autobi author for me. So much so that when her last book, The Place on Dalhousie, didn't get picked up for publication in the US at the same time that it came out in Australia... I ordered a copy from Australia, and yes, the shipping costs as much as the book itself, but yes, it was a thousand percent worth it. So I know that there are a lot of other way authors out there who love Molina's work as much as I do, because, you know, we have like these informal Molina conferences on Twitter where we just basically gush about her books every now and then. But I always feel like her work is criminally underrated in the US, which, you know, is where I'm from, and the kind of position that I'm going to be talking from. I have never been to Australia, so I don't know. Maybe she's much more beloved and much more popular there, but I feel like she's more of like got an underground sort of cult following here in the US. So I'm going to be telling you about her YA work because, you know, she does have a couple of adult novels, which I'll just briefly mention, but going to focus on her YA. And I'm going to tell you why I really do think if you haven't picked up her books, you ought to be doing so. So I'm going to start with the best-known work in the U.S., which is Jellicoe Road, published as On the Jellicoe Road in Australia. And like, yay for us, there is a beautiful new reissue being released by Harper Teen this spring. And yes, I want it, even though like I already own a copy. Doesn't matter. I'm going to still have to need, you know, get it. But it won the Prince Award in 2009. And it's just this magnificent story of Taylor Markham a girl who was abandoned by her mom at age 11 on the Jellicoe Road. And she has been kind of left in the care of a woman named Hannah, who is her guardian. And Hannah is a little mysterious. She's very guarded about her past. She works at a boarding school, which is where Taylor lives and attends school. And at the very start of the book, Taylor's guardian Hannah vanishes without a trace. 
And this is really not good timing for Taylor because she finds herself in her final year of school and she's being drawn into this turf war between the borders of the school, the townies who live in the town nearby and just like come to school for the day, and the cadets, which is a group of boys who come in for training every year for about six weeks. And Taylor's kind of put in charge of the borders in this turf war, which she's not happy about because the guy leading the cadets is the boy that she ran away with at age 14 to try and find her mother. And he also happened to betray her trust in a really big way. So she really never wants to see him again. Um, So during this book, there are also flashback chapters to these five teens living in the same area in the 1980s and just like how they become fast friends, but like also something happens to them. And what happens to them is really important because it connects their story to Taylor's in a really significant way. So it's just this really brilliant emotional novel that has so many past and present elements that like weave together and just merge very beautifully. It explores the idea of found family, grief and trauma, and remaking your life after tragedy. And it's just, you know, so beautifully done. It is so entirely deserving of that prince. So that is Jellico Rome. Highly recommend. So Melina Marquette is also the author of Looking for Alla Brandy, which was her debut novel. It uh, was a hit in Australia when it came out in 1992. I don't remember exactly when it came out in the US, but it was later. And it was adapted into a film in 2000, which, y'all, it's not licensed here. Believe me, I have looked high and low. I refuse to like go the illegal route. So I actually bought a DVD from Australia. And yes, once again, the shipping costs as much as the DVD. And then it got here and I was like, oh, wow, what an idiot. I totally forgot that DVD regions are a thing. So then I had to go buy an all region DVD player to even watch it. And like, yes, again, it was totally worth it. So Looking for Alibrandi is about an Italian-Australian teen named Josie who's really close to her mother's side of the family. And they're just like, you know, this big, loving, but also, you know, sometimes annoying Italian family. And she's never met her dad, but she knows who he is. And then one day he comes to town on a business trip and her grandmother invites him to a get-together And Josie and he meet and like, surprise, he never knew that she existed, which like really pisses Josie off because she's always wanted to know her dad. And she never really realized like the secrets that were involved about, you know, between him and her mom and her life. So she also really wants to get to know him, but she's kind of full of a lot of emotions. All the while, she's dealing with a lot of pressures at school. She's falling for a guy who is, you know, might be wrong yet perfectly right for her. And then she's also dealing with this tragedy that she never saw coming. So I'll be real. It does feel like a first novel when you read it. The characters are all just brilliant. I think that's like a real testament to the power of Marquetta's writing and her ability to create just these memorable characters and a wonderful narrative voice because I was completely enthralled, despite the fact that it does kind of have like a looser plot. But Josie just totally won my heart. She's brash and assertive and she says what she feels, but she's also really vulnerable. I just love her. So next up are Saving Francesca and The Piper's Son. And I'm going to talk about both of these at the same time because they all, they both sort of center around the same friend group, although they have different protagonists. So Saving Francesca was published first and it introduces all of these characters. So 
The book I mentioned at the top of the episode too, A Place on Dalhousie, is actually also about the same friend group, but it's very much an adult book. Like the characters are in their late 20s at this point. Um, So it feels kind of like an adult sequel to these YA novels. So I'm not going to go into detail about it, except just to mention that. So Saving Francesca starts on the day that Francesca's mom won't get out of bed. And this is like really kind of weird and shocking and frustrating because Francesca's mom is like, very much an outgoing, assertive, go, go, go type of person. But she has clinical depression. And all of a sudden now it is just completely overwhelmed her and she can't get out of bed. And this makes Francesca really mad at first because she has her own problems to deal with, mainly that she's being forced to attend St. Sebastian's, which is a school that like just in this school year has gone co-ed. And so she's like one of a very small handful of girls who have chosen to attend the first year that the school has gone co-ed. And she's not exactly friends with the other girls. Plus, there's just a lot of awkwardness that comes with being outnumbered by so many boys. And the fact that like the school is not designed for girls to attend, like there aren't enough girls bathrooms and just, you know, stuff like this. She's dealing with a lot of sexism and she's really just very frustrated about it because she doesn't really want to rock the boat and and be like the person that's demanding fair treatment. But yet she's very much feeling the effects of the sexism. So on top of this, there's also Will, who's very popular and kind of arrogant and smug. And he just like makes her life miserable at school. So as Francesca's dealing with like this family private life that's quickly falling apart without her mom, she's also dealing with all these school troubles and friend issues. And she's very frustrated. But she also has to realize that like, you know, her mom is not there to be her source of strength. And she has to find her own strength to confront her problems at school and basically save herself and also help her family. So Saving Francesca also introduces Tom and his book is The Piper's Son. And it takes place a couple of years after the end of Saving Francesca. So all of their friends have left school and they're figuring out their adult lives, like university for some, work for others. But at the very beginning of this book, Tom has hit absolute rock bottom. So his uncle has recently died in a terrorist attack, which completely devastates his family and just tears them apart. And he has alienated his friends, Francesca and Will among them, and his crappy roommates have kicked him out and they've betrayed him in a really terrible way. And Tom's only option at this point is to move in with his Aunt Georgie, who also has a secret. So she's in her early 40s and she's just just discovered that she's pregnant. And so the beginning of this book is really just, you know, Tom trying to do the right thing, trying to resist all of his vices and all of the things that have like led him to his rock bottom. But he's also kind of slowly, carefully maneuvering around Georgie and realizing that like, whoa, she's pregnant. And this is kind of forcing him to confront all of the people that he'd hurt, including confronting the people who have hurt him, which involves his father and like this most difficult task of all, which is reconnecting with his dad. So this entire book is just a bundle of grief and emotions and emotions turned way, way, way up. And I really love it because although it is essentially Tom's story, it does take this intergenerational look at how tragedy can affect a family throughout the generations and how we're all connected, whether we like it or not. Basically, if you want to cry, read The Piper's Son. 
So finally, I'm going to talk about Melina's fantasy series, because surprise, she's also written fantasy. And I'm just like convinced that there's nothing that she can't write and write well. Um, so this series is called The Lumetier Chronicles, and the books are Finnegan of the Rock, Froy of the Exiles, and Quintana of Sharon. So I'm going to tell you about the first book, but I'm going to be vague about the second and the third book to avoid spoilers. But also, if you're at all interested in these books, do yourself a favor. Do not read the descriptions of books two and three unless you want major book one spoilers. I don't know. If you love spoilers, I guess go ahead, live your life. But I think that the reading experience is richer if you don't have these spoilers. So Lumetier is a small landlocked nation in a much larger continent in this high fantasy world. And they're so small that they also just happen to be like completely enclosed by this wall. So when the book starts, the royal family is brutally murdered by this usurper. You don't really know much about him. He becomes important later, but he's not really important in the first book. And Finnegan, his father is the king's guard. And so he is unable to prevent this. And he is racked with guilt. And so is Finnegan, because even though he's only a kid, the prince was his best friend. And this is just a horrific tragedy for the country. And in the chaotic days just after the coup, a lot of people end up fleeing Lumetier. And then some things happen and a witch casts a curse on the kingdom so that nobody can leave and no one can enter. So all of those people who've left, they're now stuck. And Finnegan is one of them. So he's an exile outside of Lumetier. And he grows up in various foreign courts. So as a young man, um, which is really like, you know, that's all like prologue. This is when the book starts. As a young man, his goal isn't necessarily ever to return home. He's like lost all hope that he will ever see Lumetier again. But his mission in life is to ensure that his fellow exiles can find safe refuge in neighboring kingdoms, which is much easier said than done because of politics. And wow, you know, fantasy world with xenophobia, imagine. Um, so you can see some parallels here to present day and, and real life issues. Um, so one day, a strange young woman approaches Finnegan and is like, hey, I can lift the curse. I can reunite the Lumetarian people. But you have to do something for me. And that is you have to round up all of Lumetier's exiles and you have to bring them home. And this seems like an absolutely bonkers and impossible task. And Fanakin also knows that, like, even if they are able to bring everybody home, like, the royal family's dead. So, like, who would even rule? Like, what, what's your plan after lifting the curse? But this woman is not giving up her secrets. So... He also finds that, like, this strange young woman gives him this spark of hope. And that hope is undeniable. So he reluctantly agrees. And he decides to round up his people. And that kind of takes him on this epic journey throughout this fantasy continent. So when I tell you that this is my favorite fantasy series of all time, I'm not joking. I mean, I love it above Tortal, above the Grishaverse, above the Embers series. Like, And I really love those series, but, like... This fantasy trilogy is so, so, so good. I inhaled it over the course of like a single week. So you're going to want like all three books on deck, just a warning, but I highly recommend it. So this brings me to the end of my crash course in Melina Marquetta's YA. I do want to note that she has a really great adult mystery novel called Tell the Truth, Shame the Devil. And there are like very prominent teenage characters in there. 
But it is marketed as an adult book. And I mean, I'd highly recommend it as well if you like her books, but that's just kind of why I didn't focus a lot on that one. So I do think it's interesting that when you read enough of a single author's books, you really do get a sense for like the recurring themes and ideas that drive them as writers. And in Melina Marquetta's work, you start to see like family, both found and biological, grief, recovering from trauma, intergenerational like events and trauma and struggle and healing that all of these characters have to reckon with. Like these are really important aspects of her books. You also see a lot to do with like immigration and what it means to kind of feel like you don't entirely belong in a place that you were born in because of, you know, misinformation or hate or xenophobia. All of these elements um, sort of start to kind of peek through all of her books. But the most pervading sense, I think, is this idea that hope and wonder can be found in the most unexpected of places. And that is, you know, just one of the reasons why I really connect with all of her books. So if you're new to Melina Marchetta and you want to read her books, this is what I recommend. You can start with either her fantasy series or her contemporary books. Um, obviously, there's just the one fantasy trilogy. So read the Lumetier Chronicles in order. That is essential if you're going to start there. If you want to start with her contemporary work, then I probably would recommend going first with Jellico Road, then Francesca, Saving Francesca, and The Piper's Son. Um, you can read Saving Francesca and The Piper's Son out of order, but I think you get a better experience when you read Saving Francesca first. Um, and then from there, pick up um, A Place on Dalhousie because it really does bring all of those characters together, albeit, you know, they're adults at that point. But if you want to keep on the YA train, you know, definitely grab Looking for Alibrandi. It is a great book. Like I said, it feels like a first novel, but at that point, like, I mean, I'm just so in love with Melina. I think that you can really see the absolute talent and the the start of like a really amazing career in Looking for Alibrandi. Either way, you can't go wrong with any of her books. So that is it for me today. Thank you so much to our sponsor for making the show possible. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Tears of Price, and you can find much more of me over at Book Riot. Um, I also co-host all the books once a month with Liberty. I'm on the Read Harder Insiders podcast with Hannah. And then thank you so much to Jen Zink, our audio editor, for making HeyYA sound great. We will see you next week on the main podcast. Until then, happy reading! Happy reading!